Hello, and welcome to our podcast today. I'm Lisa Glover, and I'm the president and CEO of LISC, and it is my pleasure to be joined here today by LISC board member, Michelle Delos. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. Great. So as an introduction, Michelle is the executive director of the Fifth Avenue Committee, whose mission is to advance economic, social, and racial justice in New York City through integrated, community-centered affordable housing, grassroots organizing, policy advocacy, and transformative education, training, and services that build the power to shape our community's future. And if that's not enough, Michelle- It rolls, it rolls off the tongue, yeah. Yeah, it rolls right off the tongue. Michelle is also a New York City planning commissioner. So Michelle, again, thanks for joining us here today. I just wanna start off a little bit by learning a little bit more about you, about your, uh, your path to where you are today and the experiences that shaped who you are as a person, as a community member, and as a leader. Great, happy, happy to share. Um, so I've, I've been executive director of Fifth Avenue Committee for nearly 18 years. Um, and before I uh, became the ED, I was co-chair of the board of directors. Um, and so my relationship with the organization, my formal relationship actually goes back 25 of the organization's 43 years, um, which is really incredible. Um, all I can say is the job today isn't, the organization today and the job today is very different than when I, you know, when I first started uh, 18 years ago. Um, prior to joining Fifth Avenue Committee, I uh, ran social services and supportive housing for a, a nonprofit a social service organization here in New York called Center for Urban Community Services. Um, and uh, worked with them. I, I had two tours of duty at CUCS um, and uh, it, was, it was really a great, great experience um, you know, as, a, as a clinical social worker and managing and developing and creating new programs. I also, um, was uh, Congresswoman Media Velasquez's uh, first director of constituent services. Um, Media is the first Puerto Rican woman elected to the US House of Representatives. And I joined her staff um, in the early 90s um, and had a chance to really work on environmental justice issues, transportation issues, and immigration issues, all things that definitely uh, you know, intersect with, with what I do today um, in, in my role at the Fifth Avenue Committee. Um, and then, as you said, I, I actually, I stepped down from the City Planning Commission here in the city of New York um, earlier this year. Quite honestly, it was a lot to juggle with COVID and uh, <laughs> CDC. Um, so I, I was on the commission for 10 years, but really, um, you know, the, the reason behind the desire to work at a community development corporation really um, comes from both my personal and my professional background. So I, I come from a working class immigrant family. I'm the first person in my family to graduate from college. I'm a product of bilingual, bilingual education. Um, you know, have family members who um, had extensive experience with the criminal justice system. Um, and, uh, you know, know, know the importance of um, what an organization like Fifth Avenue Committee can do both in assisting people on an individual level, but also then lifting up um, the issues that need to be addressed on a more systematic level, whether that's on a, you know, affordable housing or, or, or public policy issues that need to be addressed. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a bit of my story. 
Wow. Wow. That's quite a story. Well, that's a lot of experience that you had. I had no idea. That's thanks for sharing that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Fifth Avenue Committee and what are some of the current initiatives that are important to you? Uh, there's definitely a lot. I mean, obviously during COVID, you know, we've been among the first responders. We hear a lot, obviously, about the nurses, um, you know, and the doctors, uh, understandably so. Um, there's also, quite honestly, a lot of uh, property management staff out there um, that have been a, a big part of helping people who've had to quarantine in place um, or stay, you know, stay in place or shelter in place um, uh, during during this pandemic. So, you know, Fifth Avenue Committee has, uh, you know, when COVID first hit, for instance, we we did vulnerability assessments of both the people that live in our affordable housing, but also that we provide services to. And that really led to a whole series of programs. Um, we re-raised um, over $350,000 um, and gave over 500 families emergency cash assistance um, before um, the federal government got a, a dollar out the door. Um, we also, uh, some of that assistance also went to local small businesses um, that uh, we lease to. We, we, we lease to predominantly minority and women uh, small businesses. Um, and a lot of, um, you know, benefits access, you know, Fifth Avenue Committee is a financial opportunity center um, through LISC. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously a lot of financial coaching, a lot of benefits access work. Um, and then, you know, we, we have a affordable housing development pipeline of over 1900 units of affordable housing. We have several hundred in construction right now. Um, and so, you know, we, we leased up 159 unit affordable senior project um, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, you can imagine that, um, you know, leasing up a project that uh, what is predominantly through online application to seniors. <laughs> um, That's an accomplishment. Longer. Yeah, yeah. a little bit longer. Yeah, so those are those are some of the things. Um, we also launched a community health worker program, also um, you know bridges to health equity, also mm -hmm. in partnership with LISC, and that's helping us really outreach to to hundreds of folks who have asthma and need other uh, support in supporting their you know healthy lifestyles. Right. I mean, the world really changed with COVID, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Really brought forward where the needs were. I'm I'm particularly uh, impressed by you getting the cash out the door to the families that needed it. Uh, you know, it takes everything, all, the wheels a long time to get rolling. And obviously that's the power of local CDCs. You can get the wheels rolling really quickly. That's very impressive. Um, I know that your headquarters is in uh, the Brooklyn neighborhood of Gowanus. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, they've been in the news recently because of the extreme flooding that followed the Hurricane Ida of last month. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about how it is doing today and, um, you know, obviously there's effects of climate change. How are you addressing those? Yeah, well, as I look out the window today, it's cloudy, but not raining. So we don't have any floods uh, today. Um, yeah, so, you know, Gowanus is a coastal community, a Fifth Avenue committee. Um, you know, we serve low and moderate income people citywide, but, you know, our, we got started in the lower Park Slope and Gowanus, we serve folks in Sunset Park and, and Red Hook. So a bunch of coastal communities in Brooklyn. Um, and so, you know, being, being a first responder uh, during climate incidents is not new to us. Um, same was true during Sandy. Hard to believe we're coming upon yet another anniversary of, of that. Um, that storm, um, um, this, Gowanus is also home to the city's first uh, US EPA Superfund site. So the Gowanus Canal um, is the first uh, Superfund site. 
um, in the city of New York. It's also the most densely populated Superfund site in the country and has the largest community advisory group of which I've been a member for over 10 years. Um, the, so we, FACT's been engaged on environmental issues in a couple different ways. One is, you know, as uh, Superfund sites and brownfield sites and former manufactured gas plant sites get um, remediated, you know, there's oftentimes the communities that are adjacent um, to the, you know, this environmental, um, these toxins have been lower income communities of color. So around a lot of these sites, we have NYCHA communities who've really, um, you know, borne the brunt of living uh, next to these sites. And as improvement happens, a big part of our work is to ensure that the folks that have, um, you know, had to deal with the burdens of environmental um, toxins um, also get some of the benefits. So that's a, that's a big part of what we do. We do a lot of work um, organizing and um, holding NYCHA accountable in, in terms of their repairs and how all of this kind of ties in with climate change is, you know, often it's lower income communities of color that are on the front lines of climate change. Um, and so, you know, we have a turning the tide um, climate justice initiative that really combines um, popular education. So we kind of break down a lot of very complicated either climate science or um, public policy issues and make it very, very accessible to the public. Um, and, uh, and, and in particular, um, you know, lower income folks of color. Um, and so that, uh, that, that knowledge plus their own personal experience, which they're obviously expert at, um, is part of what informs public policy. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've been involved, we were a founding member of a asthma free homes coalition, which, um, you know, led to a change in law here in New York City, um, for instance, about the intersection of, um, you know, health and housing. And, and we've done that, you know, similar interventions um, and, and organizing and advocacy uh, related to, to NYCHA and various pilot programs. So, um, you know, the Gowanus has been in the news partly because of a area-wide rezoning that's proposed. And so, you know, the coalition that we help form has some key demands. And one of them, for instance, is no new combined sewer overflow. Um, you know, not, not something that everybody thinks about, but it's one of those, you know, one of those key infrastructure pieces of infrastructure that we need to invest in um, and impacts uh, communities, uh, low-lying communities across the country. So um, that's, that's part of uh, what we do. And, um, you know, we're advocating for cloudburst studies in Gowanus, you know, as, as a follow-up to Ida. Um, and uh, so that we can hopefully not always be on the reactive end, um, but uh, more proactive in helping individuals and communities prepare for the change that's already here. Um, we've also partnered with um, Urban Land Institute on um, uh, recommendations about urban heat island um, and how to reduce it um, in, in local communities here in Brooklyn. Okay, I mean, lots of advocacy on, on the part of you know, climate, climate change, the effects on the communities that we all work in. Um, other roles as a community advocate, what other types of things are you working on on behalf of the people who live in your area? I mean, a lot of what we do, honestly, uh, we obviously do a lot of tenant organizing and eviction prevention work. We um, were part of coalitions um, here in New York. One of them is called the Stabilizing a New York City Coalition that looks like predatory investment 
in multifamily property and um, how it is a contributing factor to displacement um, of low-income folks and, and folks of color. So that's a, a big, you know, a big part of what the advocacy that we do. We've also been a part of um, accountable development advocacy, whether it's, you know, you know, how is government uh, you know, advancing truly affordable housing, uh, you know, various lawsuits against the state and others um, related to large-scale development that wasn't truly affordable or that contributed to displacement. Um, and recently we were, uh, we commissioned um, Professor Lance Freeman from Columbia University to do the first racial equity study as part of a rezoning here in Gowanus. Uh, as part of advancing fair housing. Okay, lots of work going on then. So obviously, I mean, you've talked about this, but the importance of listening to and working with um, the people in the communities, the common thread is what I'm hearing throughout your work. So, you know, looking at um, the, our board, the board of LISC, you know, what are your thoughts about the value of community voice for an organization that's, that's LISC and what, what resonates with you about that? I mean, I think obviously LISC plays a, a critical role um, as an intermediary. R really the word intermediary, I think it doesn't really do LISC justice. Um, uh, convener, gatherer, um, you know, you're really a bridge between community and community organizations like Fifth Avenue Committee and the public and private sectors, um, you know, and oftentimes you need those bridges in order to um, have change at scale mm -hmm. right? and have greater impact. And so I think, you know, when you sit on a board and you have, you know, folks from large financial institutions and, you know, people like me, um, plus, you know, folks that are coming from, from academia um, or, you know, individuals who come with a, a government uh, background experience, you know, I, I think about, uh, you know, Dean Esserman, who recently just stepped down from the board, but, you know, uh, brings a public safety perspective. Um, you know, all of that is so critical. Like, the, we're not going to find the solutions in silos, right? I mean, the social problems that, that our society faces, the inequalities that we face, um, it, it's only, only going to be solved when we bring, um, you know, all parties together um, and have common goals and um, have a common definition of what we're trying to solve for. Um, and I think, and of course, capital, right? <laughs> um, resources matter, um, but you can have resources, but not have a clear idea of where, what, what's most impactful and what's gonna make a difference and like what's gonna respond to the needs as defined by communities and not just academics. Um, and so it's, I think it's important to have all those perspectives. Um, and that's, I think, a, a big piece of what this does. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it, it takes everybody's voice. Everybody looks at the world through a different lens. And, and I think that it's important to bring that together and see where our common ground is and work from there. Can you talk about the role that Hispanic or Latinx residents and leaders have played in history? Um, and, uh, you know, how and it has evolved the way you have worked and the success of your organization. Well, first, I think it might be interesting um, to know when Fifth Avenue Committee got started 43 years ago, the community of Lower Park Slope was majority Latino. Um, really? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if, if 
the yeah. listeners know Park Slope now, they would be like, how is that possible? I, I you know, it's not what I know of Park Slope. Um, and, and so, you know, I, what's interesting to me when I think about Fifth Avenue Committee's work is like, despite the fact um, that the organization has changed and evolved over, over 43 years, the majority of the people we still serve are still Latino. They may not necessarily be in the same community that we, the organization got started in. Um, but, you know, first off, uh, Latinos are incredibly diverse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> definitely. Definitely yeah. not a monolithic group. No. Um, you know, uh, obviously very different, e even if there's a common language, um, and even that varies, um, there are very different uh, experiences from countries of origin. And of course, from, you know, folks who might have recent immigrants versus, you know, folks that might have been here for, for generations. So, um, you know, all I can say is, uh, especially during COVID, I think we've been reminded of the importance of essential workers. Um, Latinos um, make up a high percentage of essential workers, um, especially Latinas. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I, and I think about, of course, um, you know, Congresita uh, Nidia Velasquez and the experience and the voice that, that she brings or, you know, Representative Ocasio-Cortez and, and, the, and the voice that, that she brings. Um, and I don't, there's not one um, Latinx experience in, in the country, um, but I think that uh, as, as a community, there's just been uh, tremendous contributions that often go unrecognized. All right. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. We appreciate all you do for LISC, all you're doing in New York City, and, and thanks for being my guest. Yep, happy to join. Thank you.